You know, the Lord wants you to transform your thoughts from the thoughts you had coming in here to the thoughts about what he has for you today. I don't know. How many of you had a rough week? Anything, anything stressful this week? You know, look around. You're not alone in that. But you know what? We are also not alone in the fact that God understood that. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above what we imagine or ask. So we're going to ask that our minds get transformed today. Can we do that? Father, we come before you this morning. We just don't want to sing a chorus and not mean it. God, we want to be people who are true to our words. And Lord, I pray that you would transform us today. I pray that, God, we cannot look on circumstance, but we would look on the God of the impossible. We will look on the one who is able to take blind eyes and make them see. We're able to look on the ones who take death and speaks life to it. We're on the one who could take a little and turn it into much. God, we come before you you this morning and we want our minds to be transformed right now God I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon each and every one of us Lord I pray if we've had a hard week it's because you're gonna show us your goodness you're gonna show us your mercy you're gonna show us your loving kindness you're gonna show us that when there doesn't seem to be a way you are the way maker when it seems like all things are impossible you say we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us and right now Lord we just turn our attitude not to what we see but God to the unseen we turn our eyes to Elroy the God who sees us the God who is with us our El Shaddai we turn our eyes to him oh God and we ask and pray that you would transform your sons and daughters by the power of your spirit in Christ's name we ask. You know, some of us need to say those words to ourselves. We need to get those down in our spirit. I want you to look at, the, look at the screens, and I want you to say that. Who is he? He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He's the light in not just the darkness. He's the light in your darkness. He's the light when no one else can see. He's the light when you can't even see because he's the same. He is always the light in the darkness. He is who? He is your God. That is who he is. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. You know, as we were singing this morning, I don't know if there's a theme going on. I don't know if you caught it or not. I don't even know if the worship team caught it or not. I'm sure you did. But there's a theme about how we trust in God. You see, you may be going through a difficult situation. You may have some things that have thrown you in the, the life's Cuisinart, and you're just getting shredded. But let me tell you something. The Lord sees you. How do I know that? Because I don't know what your Bible says. My wife reads the Amplified Version. And the Amplified Version in, in Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same. Yesterday, today, yes, and even forever to the ages, he is the same. And, you know, it's interesting because there's a story in the Gospels. There's several stories in the Gospels. One that's really interesting is Nathaniel is uh, called. And in John chapter 1, verse 48, the Lord says to him, Hey, I saw you when you were sitting under the tree. I saw you before you were even called. And I love that verse because a lot of times we think God is surprised by what happens in our life. I mean, how many of you are surprised by what happens in your life? You know? You know? It's not like back to the future. You have Biff's playbook so you could, you know, find out all the sporting events. You know? 
you find out sometimes when you're least expecting it. You know, life doesn't throw us a lot of straight balls or a lot of curve balls. But the one thing that we know that is consistent over and over and over and over again is the faithfulness of our God. You may go through the ringer of life, but I'll tell you what, he is going to be there. He's going to see you before you get in it. He's going to see you in the middle of it, and he's going to see you get through it. How do I know that? Because his word declares it. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, last night I was reading through the letters of the Apostle Paul to Timothy and Titus, and it's interesting because there's a uh, a theme that's running in there that it talks about uh, how Paul is writing to this young pastor, and he's, he's talking to specifically Timothy, and he tells him something that's really important. He says to him in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he says, you know, Timothy, you're going to go through a lot of situations in life, but here's the one thing you could depend on. He says, all scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may com- be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you know God wants to equip you with every good work? He wants his word to be that thing that sharpens you as iron. He wants to be that, 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 that instrument that carves out who you are as a man or woman of faith. He wants you to always be ready for whatever comes your way. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be trained in righteousness. You know, how many of you are righteous? Yes, by faith. You all better have your hands up or we're going to have an altar call right now. You know, it's what Scripture says, the already but the not yet. We are clothed in his righteousness. And as a result of that, we could walk in the power and authority he has for us. You know, so let me ask that question again. How many of you are righteous? Wow, that's much better. Okay, we're learning. We're learning. You know, everything in Scripture is there for a purpose. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to be men and women that don't depend upon what Scripture says. Don't lean on the arm of flesh. You know what that means? That means, Jose, don't depend on me, brother. I'm not going to depend on you unless it's for plumbing. But don't depend on me, and I won't depend on you. We depend on the Lord. The Lord is our helper. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord is the one who takes the crooked path and makes it straight. And I I, want to just encourage, I don't know who this is for, but during worship, I just really felt it heavy in my spirit. That you're in a situation right now that you just sense that you're alone in it. But the Lord wants you to know this, you're not alone. That he sees you like he sees Nathaniel. He sees you in the situation where you've cried out. You don't, know what, you don't know what the future is, but he does. You can't see it because it's cloudy. But just like in the natural world, when there's clouds above us, the sun is always shining above it. And the Lord wants you to know that he is going to be faithful to you. He is going to be there for you. He hasn't changed one iota over the centuries. He is still the way maker. He is still the promise keeper. He is still your El Shaddai. He is still your Jehovah Rapha. He is still every name in the book that he's called. He hasn't changed one bit. Your circumstances may have changed, but you need to know this. The character of God never changes. And he wants you to put your trust right now. And I I think that there's something we need to do in in the physical to declare to the spiritual. But, you know, because the last song we sang was talking about declaring things. And see, there's life, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. 
And some of us need to declare to our situations, we don't know what is happening, but we know this. We know who is in control of it. And you need to speak to that mountain. You know, here, last week, Pastor Lynn shared something about what was the, we were what kind of agents? We were the agents that were underestimated or something like that. Unauthorized weapons. That's what, right? I remember, I was thinking about that. We're unauthorized weapons. And when you're an unauthorized weapon, you don't know how, the enemy doesn't know how you're used. And one of the things that happens to us when we're in a situation or circumstance where the enemy expects us to respond a certain way, he is not all-knowing, just so you know that. He is not all-powerful. He isn't everywhere in all places, but our God is. And one of the things God wants us to do is realize that when we declare praises, when we're in the lowest valley and we're declaring praises, that just screws his mind up. He doesn't know how to deal with that because, you know, I don't know about you, but if you press certain people a certain way, they're going to respond. Why? Because they do the same thing every time. But when you're in a difficult situation and all of a sudden you start praising God, it's like, where'd that come from? You shouldn't be praising God. Everything's going bad against you and you're still praising him? Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who never changes. He's the God who's consistent. How do we know that? His word declares it. And we are not people of circumstance. We're people of the word of God. And you need to get that. Some of you need to just start massaging that down into your spirit. That God is, his word is true. And that we're going to depend upon his word. You know, in 1 Timothy later, in, in the, the book of uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, he says, you need to train yourself in godliness. You know what that means? You need to get into his word. Some of you need to get on your, turn off your music and put on the word and let the Bible read itself to you so you can listen to the word as you're driving in your car instead of doing something else. Put on your Bible and let it just play read and let it just speak into your spirit. When you're at home doing dishes, put it on, you know. Just let the word of God marinate in you because what happens is when you allow the word of God to just marinate in your spirit, when you're squeezed, what comes out? The word. So I want to pray with you right now. Lord, we just pray right now. I don't know who, you're, who you are, but if you're, that word was for you, you need to just raise your hand and declare it. Lord, we just come before you this morning. You see our steps. You see some of us sitting on our beds, sitting in our cars, not knowing what we're going to do. But you are the way maker. You are the faithful one. You are the one who never changes. And right now, God, we just come before you and we ask that you see our situation and you move like no one else can. The Lord, I speak peace over the souls right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now that, God, you would just give them a peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because you are the Prince of Peace. I pray that, God, just like you stood on the Sea of Galilee and told the storm, peace be still, and the disciples were freaking out, and that instantly the wind and the wave obeys you. I pray that right now the wind and wave that's blowing against your sons and your daughters would have peace. And Lord, even though the situation in the natural doesn't look like it's changed, Lord, we don't look in the natural. We look in the supernatural. We look at the one who is able to supersede nature. We look at the one who is able to supersede all situations, all circumstances. And Lord, we just surrender to you now, God, because you are faithful to your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.
Now, here's what I want you to do. You're going to get hit with that situation again, and I want you to speak to it. And what are you going to say? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, who? Your God, that is who you are. The Lord is good. We declare his goodness in the land of the living. Your God cannot be anything but good. You understand that? So a lot of times questions come, why do these bad things happen? Why did God do this? And it's like God can't do bad things. He is always good. It's the enemy that came to kill, steal, and destroy. Remember that. He's the one that introduced, the enemy introduced man to calamity. Not God, the enemy did. And so um, it's the enemy that likes to get us all confused in our mind that who's, who's doing what around here. But I'm going to tell you, your God is only good. He is love and he is goodness. And we get to have a relationship with him. And part of the design of preaching the word is challenging some of the thoughts that come to us, maybe because of our flesh, maybe because of our sinful nature, maybe because of the world, maybe because of the enemy, but we challenge those thoughts because those thoughts that are against God or are deceiving us can prevent us from walking in the victory that we are called to walk in. Oh, we're only half baked today. We're going to get there though. We're going to bake this cake and we're going to frost it at the end. Okay. I'm going to talk to you today. I'm so ready to preach this thing just to get it from the Lord to you. And so I can go, I'm done, God. You take it from there. Um, We're in the process of the sermon series on who switched the price tags. We're going to complete that in a couple weeks. And then we're going to start a new sermon series in September on give me that mountain. Come on, people. We got some mountains. We got some mountains. There's two things God wants to do with give me that mountain. One is he wants us to take that mountain and throw it into the sea, right? Remove it. And then there's another side to that is he wants us to conquer the mountain or have that mountain that looks like it's impossible for us to become our territory. Just like with Caleb. Remember Joshua and Caleb? Actually, Caleb was the older of the two. And they're the ones that believed God when they went into the, the land. And then all the other ten of the spies did not believe God. So they had to wander for 40 more years. You remember that story? Well, when finally it was time for them to go into the land because God didn't give them a choice. Thank you, Lord, for not giving us choices sometimes. And getting us into our promise. <laughs> he leads us as captives into victory. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know what? You won't decide victory for yourself. So I'm going to lead you into it. I'm going to captivate you. Come on, people. Aren't you glad? Well, Caleb and Joshua go in to conquer the land. And Caleb is the one. He's the older of the two. He's 80 years old. But he says, my body is still the same as it was 40 years ago. Come on, people. Come on, some of us that are getting older. I'm going go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live young. I'm going to live young, believe in God. I'm not going to get old and cranky. Come on, people. And Caleb says, give me the hard territory. Give me the mountainous land. That's what we're going to be talking about. Come on, nothing's too hard for God. So that's going to be our next series. You already know Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. 
you know, when we choose sermon series, we don't, um, we don't go, oh, let me go look it up and see what other people are preaching. That's not how it works. We get before the Lord, and the Lord speaks to our hearts, and that's what this Who Switched the Price Tags is about. And today, the Lord really spoke to my heart to talk about God's word versus man's word. You hear man's word all the time. And I also notice, even in the church, and the church, since I was born, because you all know I was born into the church. My parents were pastors. I was brought to church as an infant and never left. Served the Lord all my days. God called me into ministry. So the church has been my culture. And I am a spokesperson, or a, in a sense, a God's voice to the church. And that's what he has assigned for me. But one thing I have found over the years, an increasing skeptic, skepticism, even for believers, about God's word. A skepticism, as if, oh, if it's not, you know, it's almost like, well, I don't know about that. You know, you're so, you know, that's a little bit, you know, radical. And I'm telling you, that is not of the Lord. That's actually from the enemy to weaken God's people. And I'm going to challenge us that we are people of God's word. We are not of this world. We are not about man's world word. We are about God's word. We are about God's word. In Isaiah 40, and it's not up here, this is what the prophet proclaims. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever forever. It is what is not changing. Man's word changes, shifts, falls, fails, but God's word stands forever. And we are increasingly in an anti-Christ culture. And I am, I shudder. Now, remember, Pastor Dave and I have been in ministry for many, many years. And part of our ministry journey has been in the Christian college and universities and raising up pastors and ministers for this generation and for the next. And I have seen people who were once my students fall away from God. Serving the world. Those theologians. Serving the world. And I shudder at the impact of the deception of man's word. I shudder at that, and I will not stop declaring the word of the Lord to you. Because in the last days, there will be a great falling away. And we will not be people who fall away, because we will believe God's word, we will stand on God's word, and when man's word comes to us, we will challenge it against the word of God. I have a lot more to say on that, but we're going to get into the word. Isaiah 51, 1 and 2. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, right standing with God, who seek and inquire of the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the excavation of the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. For I called him when he was but one. Then I blessed him and made him many. We are called to look to the example of the father and mother of faith. See, they are our examples of faith in God's word. 
Faith in God's promise. And they are examples to us that say uh, God promised it and he will bring it to fulfillment no matter what the circumstances look like. No matter the impossibility. They are our examples. And scripture tells us to look to them. Because you and I, whether you are a Jew or not, there are examples of faith. See, their inheritance, their heritage were people of faith. They were people of the unseen realm. And that's who we are. We are people of faith. I find that the greatest temptation to believers is to receive salvation by faith, but walk out their Christian life in the flesh. Okay? So our faith stops with salvation. And then every decision we make, walking in our path, has to do with flesh, circumstances, and the way other people do it. And we are, when we do that, we are actually listening to the voice of man and not listening to the voice of God. But the truth is this. You and I... When we received Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit entered us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead entered into our lives, and we became a supernatural people. You are a supernatural people. You are becoming and are a new creation, and our design now is to walk our lives out in the Holy Spirit. That's the design of the believer's life, is to walk out our lives not according to man's word, but according to God's word, because we are supernatural, and God's word is divine. God's word confounds the thoughts of man. God's word conflicts with the thoughts of man. God's word conflicts with the wisdom of this world. See, we are not of this world any longer. And we are called to follow the word of God in our lives, which serves as a contrast to the world. See, the truth is this. You are no longer the same as someone who does not have the Holy Spirit in them. You are not the same. You are a new creation. There is a big deception in the church. Well, I'm just the same as them. No, you're not because you have the Holy Spirit in you now. And we are new creations when the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we are to live, I don't care what God has called you to do for your career. You are called to live a supernatural lifestyle, embracing all of the promises God has for you. He has power for you. He has wisdom for you. He has an inheritance for you. He has a reward for you. He has a destiny for your life. He has a purpose for you. And when we receive Christ, we leave our old life. We leave not just parts of our old life, but we leave everything about our old life, at least in the way we perceive it to be. Because we no longer look at our life with the eyes of flesh. But now we look at our life with the eyes of the Spirit. That's going to be our challenge today. Are we listening to the voice of God? Or are we listening to the voice of man even about our own lives? So we're going to look to the story of Abraham and Sarah. Because Isaiah tells us, look to 
the quarry from which you were taken from. And their story begins in Genesis 11. And their faith journey begins with the voice of God calling them out of Haran to a promised land, to a land that they knew not of, to a mystery land, so to speak. And so in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, this is when Abram and Sarah begins their journey with a word or a promise from God. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. See, he doesn't give them an address. <laughs> I'm going to show it to you. Just, just wait. I'll show it. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so their immediate response to this word is obedience, and they leave the familiar, they leave their comfort zone. See, when we go into the arena of faith, it is not in our comfort zone. And they leave their comfort zone and take out on the journey. This is the first thing that we learn here about God's word in our lives. God's voice is to lead believers in their lives. Who's to lead you? God's voice, God's word. This is how, this is the method by which we live out our life. And it's still the same as it was for Abram and Sarai. It's still the same for those of us who walk by faith, that we are directed by the word of God. Now, Abram and Sarah are leaving Haran, and Haran is a polytheistic culture. That is a culture of many, many gods, much like you see in India, the Hindu culture, where there's many gods. That's where they're leaving, and they are called out to serve one god. So they are becoming countercultural. They are leaving the trends, and they are following the voice of God in their lives. And it's depending on the Holy Spirit speaking to them, the voice of God. See, this is the thing. God's voice speaks to you. God's voice speaks to you every day. Are you listening? And I want to also tell you this about God's voice. Scripture will always match what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I've had some really weird encounters with people where they're telling me God said this, like, I need to leave my husband and go marry this guy. I'm like, uh, no, that's not what Scripture says. Uh, no. See, the thing is this. The realm of the Spirit is a super highway, and there's lots of voices out there. It's a whole nother world, and it's a super highway, and there's the voice of man's desire. It's the voice of your fleshly desire. There is the voice of the world. There's the voice of the enemy, the principalities and powers, and the high places. And that's why when we listen to the voice of God, we always place it against the word of God. It's very important because it's a super highway. And right now in our culture, and even in the Christian, I put quotes around it, there is a lot of other gospels going on. Oh, other revelations that you're supposed to have. There's a lot of deceptions out there trying to confuse. I'm going to tell you that the Holy Spirit is never the author of confusion. Have you ever been around a person that's talking spiritual talk and you leave there with your head spinning like you don't even know what's up? Come on. 
I've heard people talk like that. They're talking about Illuminati and all this kind of junk and whatever and, you know, giving me angels' names and whatever and stuff. And you know what I'm saying? You know what? That is not from the Word of God. So it cuts away those things. See, the voice of God does not defy the Word of God. And there, we beware of false doctrines and false teachers. We beware of that. The Word of God, the voice of God comes to us through a prayer life, through the Word, reading the Word. And it comes through the proclamation of the gospel, like right now. Because God has given overseers to the flock to help you understand the Word of God, teaching and preaching by those that are anointed by God. Because we are to rightly divide the word of truth. Why does scripture say that it's the sword of the spirit. The word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. It's cutting away the junk. It's cutting away the garbage. It's cutting away those things so that so easily entangle you from running the race with victory. And every time we hear the word of God. We should say change me Lord. Change me, Lord. Not stand in a sense of, of rejection or playing dodgeball with the word. You know what that means, playing dodgeball with the word? Woo, missed that, me, that one. Whoa, good. It didn't apply to me. Rather than saying, you know what, saturate me. Saturate me with your word. How does this apply to my life? 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy is the last letter Paul writes. Before he dies. And he writes it to Timothy. And Timothy is a young pastor. Paul has mentored Timothy. And this is a scripture that's extremely important. Especially to us as pastors. This is a scripture that when we are ordained. Our uh, superintendent of our district. We, get, we stand before him and all the others. A few thousand people. And he reads this scripture to us, and we are to agree with it and commit to it. And this is what it says, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I'm going to tell you, Pastor David and I are committed not to tickle your ears. See, part of the last days is that people don't want to endure sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine doesn't feed your flesh. It doesn't feed your flesh. It doesn't say, oh, you can go ahead with that sin. It's okay. You can go ahead with that bad attitude. It's okay. You can go ahead and walk in that pride and arrogance. It's okay. Sound doctrine cuts away those things because sound doctrine does not feed the flesh. Sound doctrine feeds the spirit. See, that's what the word of God does. Because if we're going to walk by the spirit, we have to have the spirit in us strong so that we can deny the flesh. And we are called, Pastor David and I are called to be faithful to preach this, the word of God to you. 
to commit to the very thing that Paul writes to Timothy. We have to be committed to you. And we will preach the word. We will not buy into the deceptions of this world. We will not go with the trends of this world to build a crowd to tickle their ears. We will preach sound doctrine to you so that the word of God rightly divides and gives you strength. Because flesh does not make you strong. The Holy Spirit makes you strong. See, part of these days is people don't want to endure sound doctrine. They want to buy into the deception, deceptions of the, the world. But see, God's word is inspired and it's infallible. And Pastor David, we're going to preach we need to repent of sin. We're going to preach that we are new creations, but we need our minds transformed. We're going to preach what God's word says a believer is to be in the earth. And I can commit to you that when we come and we preach the word, whatever context and teaching or preaching or counseling, that we can say this word is for you because we spent time with God. It's for your encouragement, your edification, direction, correction. But I want us to be careful to check our hearts because we because sometimes the word's not easy sometimes it, it feels like that offends me that offends me what you say it doesn't line up with my life and i don't really want to change the way i'm living but i'm telling you that word it may offend you but if it offends you know this it's time for you to change it's time for you to change and get rid of that very thing that's creating that offense in you. Because we're called to be muscle believers. And to be a muscle believer, we're going to cling to the word of God. Because the word of God is what frees us from bondages and from chains and from deceptions and from sins. And we're going to be people who walk the life, our life, in the spirit, not in the flesh. You will be an unauthorized weapon. The enemy does not know what it looks like to walk a life of the spirit. He knows what it is to have a life filled with the flesh. He wants believers, they may be saved, but if I can keep them from being victorious and being a witness and being powerful on this earth, so be it. See, the fact is this. Those he has captive, He's not worried about. He's worried about you because you're an unauthorized weapon and he doesn't know what you're going to do. So when you walk in the spirit, he doesn't get you. But the way you walk in the spirit is through the word of God in your life. And that word of God will remain. Matthew 24, 35 says this, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. God says, you know what? What I say, I will do. What I speak, I will bring to pass. My promises, I will bring to pass. That's just the beginning. Come back to Abraham and Sarah. We find this. When God's word goes forth, it creates life. Listen. When God's word goes forth, it creates life. Genesis 13 story of Abram and Sarah. This is when they began their journey, and they have the nephew Lot with him on this journey. Lot's an interesting dude. He is a man of flesh. 
And he serves as a contrast in this narrative to show what flesh actually looks like. And so we come to the text, and Abram and Lot's herdsmen are having a battle. They're having a fight. They're having a quarrel because they're growing, and there's not enough space. So Abram decides to settle this in Genesis 13, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, which gives you a little hint where Lot's going, right? So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Now look at this. Lot looks with his eyes of flesh and chooses the land. Now, Lot's younger than Abram. He's younger. Abram gives Lot the first choice, and he chooses the best, or according to the flesh, according to the eyesight of man, the fertile ground, the green ground. So what is Abram left with? He's left with the hard, rocky, mountainous land. But what's interesting about this, this is the choice of the Holy Spirit. In man's eyes, it looks like Abram has gotten the short end of the stick in the choice of land. But in the midst of this challenge, because God's word is true to Abram, God says, I'm going to create abundance for you. In this hard, rocky, mountainous land, this land is going to be the promised land. This land is going to be the most fertile land. This land is where I'm going to multiply you. So God brings Abram out. Genesis 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, To the east and west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust and your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land. I am giving it to you. Interesting about this. It looks like Abram got the leftovers. It looks like he got the short end of the stick. He looks like he got the bum job. It looks like he didn't get the grand inheritance of land and yet because of God's word he said you know what I can take this bum piece of land and I am going to cause it to be multiplied see this is the beauty of God's word what I say I declare it to be some of you said well if I had this kind of job if I had this kind of favor if I had this kind of opportunity and the Lord says you know what you may look at what you have and it's you say it's rocky ground it's hard it's mountainous but if you allow the word of God to come into your life he says but I will multiply it see that's the life of the believer the life of the believer is when God's word comes forth he creates He creates because he has the supernatural ability to take the raw deal. Some of you, you've bought into a raw deal. You think you have a raw deal. But the truth is this, if you allow the word of the Lord to come into your raw deal, he's going to cause it to be the very best for your life. Abram's land that he 
acquires through the word of God is the very land later on in Zechariah 14.4 is the prophecy where Jesus, when he returns in the second coming, he is going to land on the Mount of Olives. The very place at the end of time that he's going to set his foot is going to be on the Mount of Olives. I'm telling you, God's word is true. And if God's word is true for Abram and Sarah, it's true for your life because you have been taken from the very quarry of them. Your DNA is the same as theirs. But you've got to stick it out. You've got to stick out the situation. You have to say, God, come and breathe because you're able to create fruitfulness. And the Lord says, I create by my word. I create by my word. Some of us, we've got to quit thinking like man about our situation and say, Lord, come in and create through this situation. See, because the Lord has always been about creating through his word. That's who God is. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of creating the earth, he created by his word. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God's word creates. So you look and you say, Lord, I'm starting a new business. Starting a new job. I don't have a job. I just lost a job. And here I need a job, Lord. Letting God come in and say, you know what? I'm going to create. I'm going to create. In this hard thing, in this impossibility, in this mountainous land, in the rocky soil, I am going to create. Because when I hover over my children, I create life. It's important. Because when God hovers over us, God's word is powerful. And the natural realm responds to God's word. That's why I read to you a scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Because the natural realm is in submission. Listen. The natural realm is in submission to the voice of God. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. Your natural realm that you live right now in 2019 on August 25th, your natural realm is in submission to the voice of God. Now let me talk to you about a concept. About three years ago I brought this up. I'm bringing it up again. I thought, you know, it's about time for me to bring this up again. It's the concept of entrainment. How many of you remember me talking about this a while ago? It doesn't matter if you do. But entrainment is this. Actually, I learned about this concept when I watched Shark Tank. I'm a big business gal, and so I'm watching Shark Tank. And entrainment is when this man had, the example of entrainment, this man had created um, an, a blow-up mattress. How many of you have ever tried to blow up a mattress using your mouth? A lot of work. Or a pool. It doesn't matter. You know, those kiddie pools and the kids are throwing fits because it's taking you forever to blow up. The, you know, and you're like, or even a balloon sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like... It's crazy. So this man, he uses the concept of entrainment in how you blow, blow up this mattress. 
And so it, it only takes a few breaths because the way that he created the, the mouthpiece would cause the air on both sides of him to come into submission and blow it up quicker, okay? So it's a concept of entrainment. So it's, it's defined as a synchronization, synchronization of two or more rhythmic cycles. The air current, influ- the, the stronger air influ- current causes the air around it to come into submission to the stronger air current. See, the concept of entrainment is actually in, in our uh, atmosphere. It's in the way God created the world. An example of that would be clocks. If you put clocks on a wall, eventually they will entrain. They will come and be closer in synchronization. Dryers, if you've gone to a laundromat, the people put their, their wet clothes in a dryer, and as it spins, pretty soon all of them are spinning. Uh, it, their cycle is together. It, uh, women, li- women living in a dorm, you get my drift. All of them are cranky at the same time of the month. It's because eventually the cycles entrain. Okay? These are examples of entrainment. Two people walking next to each other. Pretty soon they will start to walk in rhythm. As the band plays, they begin to become in rhythm. If I had you start clapping together, eventually even the most uncoordinated person would start to be in rhythm with everyone else. It's called entrainment because the greater force pulls the lesser force into alignment. The greater force, this is really important. If you can get this. The greater force pulls the lesser force into alignment. And the greatest force in the universe is God's voice. Peace be still. Winds and waves, you have to get into align with the voice of God. That is still true of today regarding your life. God's voice is the greatest voice. And he, his voice will cause those things that are out of alignment to get into alignment. Yes, even natural systems break their cycles. Even natural systems break their cycles to get in alignment with the voice of God. Rise up and be healed. Eyes Receive your sight. Ears be open. The voice of God. See, the truth is this. As a child of God, you are an anomaly to this world. What's an anomaly? Something that deviates from what is standard. You deviate from the norm. You are an anomaly to this world. Why? Because you have the voice of God in your life. And if you listen and obey the voice of God, God does things that confound the wise. God does things that confuses the enemy. God does things that he introduces the supernatural, the miraculous, the wonders. But it's so important that his children have to obey his voice. 
have to listen. Not just receive salvation by faith, but say, I will walk out my life listening and obeying the word of God, the voice of God. God's word produces a destiny change. Let's go back to Abram and Sarah. Genesis 15, 1. Abram said, Lord God, what reward will you give me since I am leaving this world childless and he will be the owner and heir of my house is the servant Eliezer from Damascus. See, Abram's concerned because God has given him a promise and he does not see in the physical realm how that promise is going to come to pass. And Abram continued, since you have given no child to me when a servant born in my house is my heir. Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir, but he who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. And the Lord brought Abram outside his tent into the night and said, Look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So numerous shall your descendants be. Then Abram believed in, affirmed, trusted, relied on, held steadfast to the Lord, and he counted, credited it to him as righteousness, doing right in regard to God and man. See, Abram, in this text, Abram cannot see in the physical realm, in his resources, how God is going to bring about his promise, about his word. So he cannot see it, and he's trying to figure out how God is going to do it. And possibly God needs to use some of the resources that Abram has. Maybe some of the ideas that Abram has to meet the need, to bring about the promise. But the truth is this, Abram's destiny is located in the realm of the supernatural. Abram's destiny is located in the realm of the supernatural. Listen, children of God. Listen, followers of Christ. Listen, supernatural people. Your destiny is located in the realm of the supernatural, in the realm of the unseen. See, the realm of the unseen, the realm of the supernatural does not make sense to humans. See, Abram's destiny change, Abram's destiny change is this, that it's not going to happen in a way that he understands it. God's not going to fulfill the promise the way he understands it. We all our human nature wants everything to be ducks in a row, nothing go wrong, and I can see how it's going to happen. That's our human nature. But our destiny as supernatural people is located in the realm of the unseen. It's located in the realm of faith in God. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for. Divinely guaranteed in the evidence of things not seen. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends as what? Fact. As fact. My destiny is in the realm of the supernatural. In other words, unless God is involved in this, it will not happen. I cannot make it happen in my flesh. I depend on God to bring it about. 
It's in the realm of the unseen. And God is saying to Abram, you trust me. You don't know how I'm going to bring this to pass. But I know how I'm going to bring it to pass. And I know why I'm going to bring it to pass in this way. The Lord has a whole culture of the supernatural. And rather than him coming down to us and doing it in a natural way that we could just figure it out in ourselves, he pulls us up to the supernatural realm. He pulls us up. He says, you know what? I want you to believe. I want you to have faith. You don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm telling you, I'm going to make it happen. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in a a different culture. Pastor David and I have. And when I went to India, there was a lot. We lived there. We had a flat there. We had electricity. We had to get internet. We had plumbing and all that. And sometimes we had problems. And one time, we had a problem with our internet, and so they had to come in and fix it. And it was monsoon season, and it was raining really, really hard. And they wanted to do electrical work in the monsoon. And, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. And I said, you know, I expressed my concern. And he said, no problem, ma'am. No problem. Trust me, ma'am. No problem. I'm all, but, you know, it is a problem. It feels like a problem. (laughs) It is a problem. And he's all, no problem, ma'am. No problem. And you know what? They went ahead and they fixed it and nobody died and it was fine. And I was thinking about that. Because in their culture, they knew exactly how they were going to do it. They knew exactly how they were going to fix it. They knew exactly the serpentine way they were going to go about it. And it wasn't a problem. And God is saying, you know what? I have a culture of the supernatural. And you say it's a problem. You say you can't see how it's going to get done. But I'm telling you, I know exactly how I'm going to get it done. And it's not a problem for me. And that's what he's telling Abram. And that's what he's telling you today about your struggles, about your situation, about your impossibility, that God has a solution. God is a way maker. God is a miracle worker. Amen. And yet Abram, our father Abram, still had trouble. He still had trouble believing. He believed, but he still thought, you know what? I might need to, you know, protect God's reputation in all of this. He did promise that I was going to have descendants. So he and Sarai came up with a little plan. And that plan was that Hagar, the servant girl, was going to produce a child, an heir. And they would call it their heir. And so that was Abram and Sarah's way of trying to fix the problem, try to protect God's reputation that God promised it. So, you know, we got to fix it because what if everybody thinks that God didn't show up for me, so I got to go fix it? Come on, people. We can do that. What will people think? What will people think when I proclaim God's going to do it? And it's not happening. So God comes to Abram. See, they do that plan. They do that plan, and Hagar does give birth, and they name the boy Ishmael. And for 13 years in the text, there is silence from God. From the point when that happens, for 13 years, God waits to speak to Abram. In Genesis 17, 1, verse 1, God shows up on the scene 13 years later to speak to Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk habitually before me with integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence. I am God Almighty. And be blameless and complete obedience to me. 
I will establish my covenant, everlasting promise between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly through your descendants. Then Abram fell on his face in worship, and God spoke with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And as a result, you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. That's us. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, moving from place to place, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession of property, and I will be their God. Further, God said to Abraham, as for you, your part of the agreement, you shall keep and faithfully obey the terms of my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. So God comes to Abraham and he says, the very first thing he says to him after waiting 13 years, after watching Abram and Sarah try to do it in themselves, try to make the promise happen in themselves, try to be a fixer. Have you ever tried to be a fixer? I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it, and you take all of your effort and strength to fix something. God shows up, and you know what the first thing that God says? He says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. This is the first time God uses the name El Shaddai. If you get anything out of this, may you know who El Shaddai is today. El Shaddai, this name, so significant in Scripture, means I am Almighty God, I am the all-sufficient God. Let's unpack this name a little bit, El. El is the word for God, the Hebrew word for God. And it means all-powerful, mighty, the power to do, to be able to do anything. The word El means that, just El, not even getting to Shaddai. El means the powerful God who does wonder. Why did God come to him as El Shaddai? Why did he add the name Shaddai with the word El? Why wasn't El adequate? Shaddai, 48 times used in the Old Testament, is translated almighty. And it's connected to the word Shad, which is used 24 times. And it means and signifies the concept of breast, that which nourishes, supplies, and satisfied. And so when God puts his name together as El Shaddai, the term intensifies. And when he says, I am El Shaddai, it means I am the one who sheds forth. I'm the one that pours out sustenance. I'm the one that pours out blessing. I am all bountiful. I am abundant. I have abundance. I am supernatural, abundant provider. I am El Shaddai. So, Abram, you could produce Ishmael, but I am supernatural provider. I am the one that can take the womb of a 90-year-old woman and cause it to be fruitful because I'm supernatural. I can do for you what you can't do for yourself. I am the able God. 
I am the abundant God. I am a supernatural performer for my people. I will defy nature. I will cause nature to come into alignment with my word. See, Sarah's womb was not supposed to be fruitful according to the natural law. But God's word came in and entrained the womb of Sarah and said, My word is more powerful than your shriveled up womb. And I will give you a womb of a 16-year-old girl so that you can be fruitful. You have El Shaddai. You have El Shaddai. He wants you to know he is still El Shaddai. I am the one that speaks to you. I am the one that creates with my word. I'm the one that causes the natural to come into the supernatural because I am El Shaddai and I will fulfill my word to you. Do you believe in 2019 that God, that El Shaddai can fulfill his word to you through supernatural ways? Why are you in agreement? with what the world says about your circumstance? Why are you in agreement with what you see? When God says, I am El Shaddai. I am still El Shaddai. Genesis 17 goes on. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, I just feel God wants to be El Shaddai to you. That he wants you to have the revelation, the revelation of El Shaddai in your life, in your circumstances. As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abram fell face down and he laughed and he said to him, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing, if you would just bless my flesh, if you would just bless my decision, if you would bless what I see. But God is not a God who blesses the flesh. He blesses the promise, the things of the supernatural. And he says, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. Because I'm going to do this supernaturally. See, Ishmael was the son of the flesh. But Isaac is the son of the promise. But Isaac is the son of my supernatural ability as El Shaddai. So that generations following will know that El Shaddai shows up. El Shaddai is able. El Shaddai did it for Abraham and Sarah. And El Shaddai still does it today. Because we are taken from the same quarry. The same DNA as Abraham and Sarah. Then God said, yes, you, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants. Let us not remain. Sometimes we hear the word of the Lord. See, Abram, Abraham now, heard the word of the Lord. He heard the name El Shaddai. And yet his first response was to remain in the world of the flesh. 
How many times do we hear the word of the Lord and walk out of here and say, well, you know what? That was great. Pastor Lynch, she was on fire. She was on fire. But it doesn't transform the way that we're thinking and our decisions and our actions to be supernatural people. That's the challenge, see. The true challenge is not here. The true challenge is when I look at the circumstance and there's a problem with it. When I look at my checkbook and there's a problem with it. When I look at my family, when I look at the health issues, when I look at situations that seem impossible and when I want to fix it in my own flesh and the Lord says, I am El Shaddai. See, you are born to live in the supernatural. See, we are called to believe God's word before we see it. We are called to have our eyes walking in the eyes of the Spirit. And that takes daily decision making. Daily decision making because we do live in a material world. We do live in a physical world. And the physical world shouts at us to be in alignment with it. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is saying, but I in El Shaddai. I am able. See, God makes his promises to you in his realm. God makes his promises to you in his realm, in the realm of the supernatural, in the realm beyond the understanding of man. God makes his promise to you. And rather than him coming down and doing it in the way that's so natural, he pulls us up and says, this is an opportunity for me to show my glory if you will believe my word. See, the fact is this, we have to believe his word. We have to believe what he says. And God says, I am a miracle worker. I am an abundant provider. I am a way maker. I am a supernatural provider. I am able. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work outside of us. No. According to his power that is at work within us, See, the miracle happened within Sarah. The power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. According to his power that is at work within us. That means we have to agree with the word of God. The word of God is there, but we have to be in agreement with it. We have to be in alignment with it. See, our agreement with God's word brings alignment to his supernatural purposes. Genesis 21, 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Hebrews 11, 11. And by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. See, we have to be in agreement with the word of God. Jesus was El Shaddai. 
Jesus is everything God is. The Father God is. Jesus was El Shaddai. And in the scripture, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, Mark 6, verse 35, there's something significant about agreement here. The agreement between Jesus and his disciples. Let's read this. And when the day was already far gone, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate and isolated place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away to go into the country and villages around about and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus replied to them, You give them something to eat. You give 5,000 people something to eat. And so what did they do? They found the little, little boy. Verse 38, how many loaves do you have? And he found two fish, five loaves. But how was it multiplied? And take them, he looked up to heaven and praising God, he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples. And they distributed the two fish and the five loaves. They were in agreement with the word of God that somehow these two fish and five loaves were going to supernaturally feed the multitude. Because it was by their hand, by their touch, their obedience, God is able to do abundantly more. Then you can ask or imagine by his power within you. It's by your agreement, by your alignment. You can't see God show up if you're not in agreement. If you're over in the flesh and you are fixated on flesh and you are committed to have it done in the eyes of flesh, then you will not see El Shaddai. But when you're in agreement... When you say, God, I don't get it. I don't get how two fish and five loaves multiply and feed 5,000. But I am in agreement with the supernatural way that you do something. I am in agreement that you are El Shaddai. Worship team, come on up. See, the bottom line is this. God's word, if you want to be rewarded, God's word brings our reward. Hebrews 10.35 says this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be Richly rewarded. The Lord is always about reward. Now this challenges us that it's tempting to throw away our confidence. Because sometimes it's a long process between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. But the fact is this. His word is true. His word is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. Numbers 23, verse 19 says this. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him we may say what? What does amen mean? Let it be so. I am in agreement. Don't say amen if you're not in agreement. I want you to stand. I really believe God wants to shift some thinking today. Holy Spirit. Some of you have some battles. Some of you have promises unfulfilled in the physical realm. Some of you go back and forth between flesh and believing God. And the Lord has come to you with his word today and says, I want you to believe my word. 
I want you to believe what I say. I want you to live a life believing my word. Because I'm way maker, promise keeper. Come on. I'm a miracle worker. Some of you, today is a day for you that you need your name to be changed. You need to be, your, this is a day for you. Your name is being changed. You were once like Abram and Sarai. And you saw, you know what? I know how God can use me. I know the limited way God can use me. And the Lord is coming to you today and saying, come on. You are beyond that. I got something more for you. I got more for you. I got more for you. I got more. I'm pulling you up into my realm. I'm pulling you up into my realm. My realm of the supernatural. My culture of the supernatural. I am El Shaddai. It's the name change day. Waymaker. 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 He's doing it. He's carving out the path for you. He's carving out the path for you. He's causing things to get in alignment. It looks like it wouldn't work, but it's going to work because God is faithful. He has the ability. Let me tell you something. When I... When I went to India a few years ago as a, a minister, I had the report of man spoken into me. The report of man said, you know what? There will never, women will never be ordained in India. Women will never be pastors in India. There is no way that's going to happen. This was, this was a Christian man. This was a PhD. And you know what's the interesting thing about that? It's sometimes the people who, who want to speak the enemy's words to you are people who are supposed to be people of faith. You know what I'm saying? People are Christian people. And I thought to myself, who needs to hear the enemy when I got you screaming in my ear? And so I went to India and I said, you know what? I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe your word, God. I believe you sent me here to free up these women so that they can be a force in the spiritual realm for India. And when I look at that door, Dormitory, being built by faith. When I look at that dormitory, the miracle of it is, I say, you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. And he can do it for you. He can do it for your life. He can do it for your business. He can do it for your health. Because he is a miracle worker. Today, today is a name change day for you. Today is a day where God says El Shaddai is with you. Some of you, you have family members, you have children, you have relatives that the Lord wants you to believe for their salvation. And you look and you say it's impossible, but the Lord says nothing is impossible with me. Nothing is impossible with me. Get up here in my supernatural realm and believe me. Some of you, you have started a journey in business, new thing, and you're wondering, did I do the right thing? And the Lord says, I'm the way maker. Make it about me. Make it about my voice. Some of you have ministry, ministry opportunities, and you're faltering, and you're unsteady in that. You wonder, am I good enough? Maybe I just need to go back. And the Lord says, burn the plow. Come on, it's time for you to
to step in. Step in and be used by me. Some of you, you're to believe God to open the wombs of women that have been not able to have babies. God wants to open up wombs. God wants to touch bodies. He wants to do miracles. He wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to do a miracle through you, just like he did with the disciples. He's spreading out the bread. See, see, listen, the bread, healing is the bread for God's children. Healing is the bread for God's children. Healing is the bread for God's children. His body was broken that we may be healed. Healing is the bread for God's children. And we are to distribute it, distribute it. Today's a name change. Some of you, when I said that, you said, that's me. That's me. I want prayer teams available. We have one over here. If you, I want to make be very specific. If you say, you know what, today's a name change for me. Today's a name change for me. Just like God came to Abram and Sarah and changed her name to Abraham and Sarah. Today's a name change. God is asking Today is a day for me. I need to put the line in the sand that I'm going to believe God supernaturally for things. I'm not going to live in the flesh. I'm not going to edit everything down to what I can see. But I'm going to step in and say, God, I believe you. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Come on. It's not about the way we feel. It's not what we see. It's not what we feel. It's not what we see. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. It never stop. Never stop working. Never stop. Yeah. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop. Never stop working. want prayer you can come to either side I'm going to close in a minute prayer and let you go but may you go with the word of the Lord may you go with the word of the Lord in your spiritual womb may you not reject the word of the Lord in your life because the truth is this God has more for you and God is able Ephesians 3:20, able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine according to the power within you for his glory father we thank you for your word lord we are supernatural people walking a supernatural life believing for supernatural results we will inquire of our god el shaddai regarding our life regarding our decisions regarding what you would have us to do and we will listen to you we will listen to your word we will make sure we are in alignment with the word of god for your glory because you will bring about your glory 
in the lives of your children. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day.